1: Coherence can be defined in several ways, depending on the context of the situation. For some, it's a process of connecting with their spirit, higher power, universal source, or God. For others, it's becoming consciously aware of the unified field, the quantum aspects of brain function, and utilizing the power of nature to live their best lives. According to HeartMath Institute, it's an optimal state in which the heart, mind and emotions are operating in sync and are balanced. The mental, emotional, physical and spiritual benefits of coherence are profound. You've heard myself and various guests talk about coherence many times right here on the Dr. Julie show. Well, I've had an interesting experience this last week. On Saturday, I was a guest on the Global Coherence Pulse, where we had a beautiful experience with people from all over the world. After the pulse, I posted on social media about the practice of coherence and creating a state of inner peace. I had a friend reach out, who is normally calm and cool as a cucumber, to say to me that the last two years during COVID, have been exceptionally difficult, and she's been riddled with fear and anxiety and easily triggered. And then I read a book where the author, who's experienced incredible anxiety most of his life, had a highly productive, non-anxious time those same two COVID years. Why? Today, he's gonna share with us his compelling journey of learning to thrive and create a meaningful, grounded, and abundant life after suffering from stress and anxiety for more than 30 years. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, breathe into your heart space, open your heart and mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Dr. Mark Halpern is a chiropractor, author, lecturer, and certified heart math practitioner who's also certified in many other healing modalities. In both his personal and professional life, Dr. Mark has drawn or has been drawn to methods that promote optimal health and healing of the brain, body, and spirit. During the initial COVID lockdown, Dr. Mark made the conscious decision to turn what was becoming a disastrous situation into an opportunity to face his biggest fears and create a coherence between his heart, mind, and body. The result was a book titled Coherence Revolution, finding flow on your journey to the present moment. Welcome, Dr. Mark.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation and the many different ways that you're using coherence in your life. But Mark, before we begin, I have a traditional first question here on the Dr. Julie show. Sure. To set our conversation into the larger meme and really come into this whole worldview that our listeners really appreciate. So I'm gonna ask if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you?
0: Well, that's a really great statement for when we're talking about coherence, all things connected, because um, you know we all have an energy signature to us, whether we call it an electromagnetic field or just a, a general energy, and, and it affects everything and everyone around us, including the planet. And as I'm sure you will, um, uh, we'll get into a little bit more uh, of the teaching of HeartMath, which is i'm a certified practitioner um, heart math really has three levels to it one is self-regulation of yourself two is spreading that energy and and helping other people in your community become more coherent and then three helping the planet by uh emitting more coherent energy and as our communities do that we can actually uh, heal the planet. And so all things connected really is a good statement to, to, um, to start off by just combining everything that heart math and self-regulation is about.
1: Mm. That's, that's really nice because what your response just did, Mark, for me was brought it back to myself. And as things are all connected, like we talked about on the show, this one unified field, this, um, we call it a planetary superorganism sometimes, but it brings it back to me and my personal coherence is important for the entire planet and everyone around me. So I really like that. Thank you for, for bringing that in with math, Mark, your personal story of anxiety is so compelling. The first third of your book talks about your personal journey I think it's so relevant to this conversation today and to what's happening on the planet. I really want to focus on anxiety and coherence together as you've laid them out so beautifully in the book. So can you share a bit about your personal story from childhood to now?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, I just uh, turned 50 in the fall, so a big milestone. And you you start thinking about the life you've lived and the life that you wanna live. Uh, you know, my story really was, um, there was nothing special about it. As a kid growing up, uh, especially really young, um, there was lots of love in my life. My family was good. I had friends. I, there was nothing on the surface that anybody would look at me as someone that was developing uh, emotional issues or anxiety or any of that. But really just around grade six, grade seven, as normal teenage angst uh, sort of starts for most people, I started to develop just poor thinking habits and poor behavioral habits and poor response habits in terms of how I manage stress. And, you know, as a kid, you don't, I didn't really have uh, many people to speak about. Most people didn't speak to their parents about this. And it wasn't a uh, hot topic like it is now in schools about self-regulation and inclusion and all of that kind of thing. And so I just developed these bad habits. And whether it was just about regular insecurities or, you know, whether it was to do with relationships or friendships or any of the sort of normal teenage angst what happened is i started to develop these thinking habits where i would ruminate and as i would ruminate and get stressed out you know that produces stress chemicals and as those chemicals uh, get produced you start to feel anxiety and as you feel anxiety you produce more chemicals and you think different thoughts and so this spiral just keeps happening over and over again and so i started developing these what i call neurological programs um and it's almost like an addiction and i think anybody that has dealt with anxiety for any long period of time, it very much is like an an addiction because your body begins to expect it. Uh, And I think anybody that's been anxious can relate to the fact that as soon as one problem gets solved or you feel that that one problem isn't a problem anymore, your brain will search for another problem because essentially your body is craving those chemicals of stress. And so I I just went through these cycles over and over of developing these patterns and my triggers kept building all through my teens and in my 20s. And I would say by the time I was about 17 or 18 and maybe gaining a bit of maturity, that's when I set off on my journey to finally fix this. You know, my personality is such that um, I'm partly spiritual and partly scientific. And so I really needed both. And so I determined that i was going to try everything every western-based approach every eastern-based approach until one day i was going to find this cure for anxiety and it was going to be gone and then i'd go about living the rest of my life uh, in peace but that's not really what happened is, you know, over time, I tried, you know, psychotherapists, cognitive behavioral. I tried medications, tried naturopaths and homeopaths. I tried uh, quantum energy and, and different uh, healers that would try and work with energy. I tried past life regression. Um, I mean, you name it, I've, tr- I've tried it for stress and anxiety. Um, And inevitably the pattern would start out that you'd be excited about trying something new, whoever you went to, or whatever the approach you were taking gave you hope. And you know, you thought, okay, give it a month, give it two months. And so that hope would build up and then inevitably I would go through it and I would um, not get the results I was thinking about, or I wouldn't get, uh, get rid of the anxiety completely, or it wouldn't last as long as I would like. And then I would follow up by disappointment and you'd go on and try something else. And, this was really my pattern for 25 years or more. And of course, some things worked a little bit and some things didn't. And being a chiropractor, I was exposed to more healing modalities. And so I really explored everything I could. But I never really found the answer. You know, even things like heart math, uh, which are some techniques that I teach now, I found those in 2005. But I, I really didn't embody it until about 2011. And it took another five or six years till I really started teaching it. So, you know, things took time for me. And uh, by 2020, when the uh, when the pandemic hit, we were just about to finish a renovation of my clinic at work. And there's three chiropractors here and we all showed up. I'll, I'll never forget. It was March 15th of 2020. We all showed up at our office ready to start in the new office. And then our government sent us home and said, you're going to be on lockdown for some kind of indeterminate amount of time. And so I thought, uh-oh, this, is, this could be a nightmare for many people, including myself. And I didn't really want to wake up every day and just sit around and feel the uncertainty and start to um, get anxious and, and, and suffer. So I just said, okay, I'm going to turn this into a win. And so what I determined to do is go through every book, every therapist, every um, point that I'd written in my journals, everything that I'd ever done for anxiety, depression, mood disorders, all of that. I went through it all over again, the books that I had flipped a page or, you know, put a little corner of the page that I said one day I was going to get back to it. Well, this was the day I was getting back to it. And so I just started to wake up every morning and I would put in two shifts a day and it was just like work. And I would basically go through everything and I started writing. And then before you know it, two or three months went by, I'd written my story. I'd written down all the things that had worked for me, all the things that didn't work for me and some of my philosophies. Um, and that was sort of the, the making of the book. And then I realized, well, you know, who knows how, how long we're gonna be under lockdown. So wouldn't it be great to share this? Wouldn't it be great to give people this, this help and, and do an online type of uh, teaching of heart math and some of the techniques of how to self-regulate and start to change your emotional uh, set point. And so I created the six week online course and this was all through the first six to eight months of 2020. And so then I beta tested it last year and had a bunch of groups go through it and had some amazing results. And then we went back and revised it. And, um, you know, the process I've put together for people is just so all-encompassing. You dive into every aspect of your life and you start to create a process for yourself where not only you know what you're going to do, but you start to determine how you want to feel. And the key for me has been How do you change your emotional state in the moment? How do you come back to the moment and choose your emotional state? And by using heart math, by using all of your senses, by using the world around you, I learned that you can change your physiological state literally uh, in seconds, not in minutes, not in days and not in hours or or even months. It was immediate. And so as I started to practice these techniques, I realized that anybody can put together a system for themselves that will help them live a more... uh, grateful, loving, and inspired life.
1: Mm. You you know, it feels like it's a good opportunity. Um, I was going to jump right into a couple other pieces, but um, giving our listeners an example perhaps of the quick coherence technique right now would help them understand how instantaneously we can change our qualitative state of being just by coming into heart coherence. Do you want to do that for us?
0: Oh, I love that. Um, so there's three listeners, there's three aspects to this. And you know, I don't want you to get stressed out about any of it. Um, just sort of do what feels natural for you. But the breath that I'd like you to do is to breathe in through your nose, roughly about five seconds and breathe out through your mouth through pursed lips in other words don't just let it all out purse your lips together just a little bit and let the oxygen come out slowly so the breath would sound and feel something like this okay something very simple just like that and for those of you who are chest breathers you can put one of your hands on your chest and that's just to remind you not to move that hand, that hand should be still. Your lower hand can be right over your your belly. And as you're breathing in through your nose, I want you to fill up your stomach. I want you to just fill it up like a balloon as you breathe in. And I know it's a little bit opposite for most people because that's a big problem. Most of us are chest breathers. So I want you to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, but fill your stomach up on the in-breath. Now that's the first part of it. The second part of quick coherence is as you're doing this, I want you to just visualize the oxygen going in and out through your heart just like you might you know picture if you close your eyes just like you might picture someone you know or something heating up your toe or heating up your finger and you can focus on that do the same thing focus on the area around your heart just just be aware of it and then thirdly i want you to just try to have some type of regenerative emotion It might just be that today's a good day. It might be the feeling of uh, gratitude. It might be that you're just grateful that you woke up today or maybe the sun is shining or maybe that you've got some loved ones in your life, but anything that can give you a feeling, a feeling grateful or or positive in some way. And those are the three ingredients. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna take about six, seven, eight breaths together. And as you're doing it, I want you to do the, the breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth visualizing it going in and out through your chest and just try to have that renewing emotion. Okay. So here we go in through the nose and out through the mouth. No worries, just everybody's breathing and letting it out. And whatever has to happen, just let it happen. Okay, let's just take one more nice breath in. And elongate the breath. See, when you breathe in, that's actually part of the the, uh, fight or flight system, it's part of the sympathetic system. But your breath out is part of your parasympathetic system, which is your relaxation system. So if you are particularly feeling stressed, as you breathe out, just elongate that out breath just a little bit more, just to stimulate that part of the nervous system that will relax you. And that's really as simple as quick coherence is. And what you'll find is it allows you to come back to the moment, if you're just having a problem if you're just thinking about a problem you can revisit it and you'll see that the gas is taken out of it a little bit there's not as much juice in that problem anymore because you're, you're in a more resilient state you're able to think about things in 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 a, in a way that your brain is just firing on all cylinders so hopefully you felt a little bit more calm maybe a little bit more at peace or maybe just coming back to the moment and you just are realizing that you're in your own body at this point but that's as simple as the technique can be.
1: Thank you, Mark. Before we expand into coherence and some of the decisions that you made during COVID and, and that's created this coherence revolution program that you're um, teaching, I, you mentioned briefly a, a few minutes ago, and then you talk about in the book, practicing anxiety. You were talking about your thoughts and and, the negative path you were taking, but you mentioned practicing anxiety. And it's a brilliant term that makes us think about anxiety differently. Can you expand on that and, and sure. explain to the listeners what you mean?
0: So for me, it, it took a long time and uh, for me to understand this concept, but we are constantly repeating these, these processes. You know, whatever you practice, you get better at. Whatever you do over and over, you get better at. And that's really how you improve in life and how you learn things. But when it comes to things like anxiety or the mental games that we all play with ourselves and the, and the mind racing, what you're not realizing is that every time you repeat that thought and you keep repeating it in your head and you keep talking to yourself in a certain manner or you keep thinking about a subject, every time you think about that subject, it's it's a loaded Um, topic. In other words, it's stimulating some stress chemicals to be released. And as those stress chemicals get released in your brain and in your body, it's producing this feeling of anxiety. And when you have this feeling of anxiety, your body wants to search out what's wrong. And so, of course, it's natural. Your brain starts searching its environment for what's wrong. But it's really an inappropriate response. I mean, the fight or flight response is is a very primitive response and it was there so that if you're being chased by a bear all of the blood uh, can get shunted away from your digestive system away from your immune system away from the processes of your body that make decisions and it all the blood flow goes to your muscles so that you could run away from the bear but theoretically as soon as you hit the cave your body should relax and come back to the moment but in today's day and age we're getting triggered by the lights on Main Street, by the sounds, by the electricity all around us, by your boss yelling at you, by the relationships we have. And so this fight or flight system is being triggered all the time. And our interpretation of it is that something really wrong must be happening. And so we search our environment for what that might be is it my friend that just yelled at me? Is it my spouse? Is it my job? Is it that I don't have enough money? Is it, you know, all of these things that you start questioning. And before you know it, now you're off on a, down a rabbit hole and your brain is going down this spiral of thinking and thinking and thinking. And this is a habit. You're creating this habit. It becomes easier and easier for you to think these habits, think these thoughts. It becomes easier and easier to elicit your trigger. And then you can roll it back the other way. Because as you start to practice the emotions of your dream life, as you think about the things that can produce the emotions of your dream life, you can start practicing the emotions that you want to feel. And as you start to practice those, you start to develop new neurological patterns and you start to reset your pattern for a more uplifted, renewed emotion. And so once you see it as an addiction or something that you're practicing, then the control comes back to you because you can start to practice something different. Mark, you,
1: you did this consciously during COVID and in my introduction, I mentioned a friend who has been cool as a cucumber all of her life, calm, can manage stress, is super high functioning. And, she mentions how triggered she's been during covid and her anxiety and and so i'm just thinking about her as you're talking about practicing anxiety because this global pandemic has created added stress and anxiety to our entire Global system, you know, the entire mm-hmm. global brain, our noosphere is filled with people's anxiety and fear. And sometimes it's not even our own anxiety and fear that we're tapping into. You know, sometimes we just need to move into compassion for right. others as we know that they're going through a tough time. I'm wondering if you've learned anything during this COVID um, time that you could share with our listeners who are just perhaps dealing with a more of a transitory or or transition time of anxiety in their life
0: well you know a lot of a lot of people because the pandemic has affected so many people i look at it as a form of ptsd or post-traumatic stress because you can develop um anxiety and and habits and neurological programs from constant low-level practicing over years but you can also develop it from significant moments that happen briefly and it, it, they impact you in such a way that now you're, you've you got this post-traumatic stress from it. Uh, and I think that's what the pandemic is doing to so many people, it's thrown us off and uncertainty is the hardest you know, at the, at the best of times. Uh, and so there's so much uncertainty. And I think especially people who may not have had to deal with so much uncertainty in their life or at least perceived uncertainty, that they felt in control of their life. Now you you take away people who haven't had to flex those muscles before. They haven't had to flex the muscles of dealing with uncertainty because that's all come easy to them. Now they're faced with a situation that isn't coming easy or natural to them. And they're finding out, oh, I don't have defenses against this right now. And and I've got to become a little bit more resilient and develop my defenses because I don't know how long this is going to last. And so I find in my practice, I'm seeing... A lot of people behaving in ways that they never would, people who were anxious or super anxious, and people who were calm, they're starting to behave and act in certain ways, maybe not even anxiety. Maybe they're getting angry, or maybe they're getting short-tempered. And we're certainly seeing it when we go out to the grocery store or down to the local you know, uh, drugstore or whatever. People are just not behaving in the same way. And so you know, I think that we all... it to each other to just give ourselves a little bit more leeway give the person who's a little bit rude to you give them a bit of leeway before you you know um get back at them so to speak because you just have no idea what people are going through in their own heads right now and when you are in a fight-or-flight situation you're not making decisions and you're not coming from a a heart-centered place you're coming from fear and fear is very protective um and you're you're certainly not um looking at things with open arms, you're more wanting to close things off. So, uh, you know, I've looked at it, like I'm not trying to judge anybody right now. It's about trying to just understand where they're at, respect it. If you feel the same way, great as them. If you don't, that's okay. But, um, you know, go easy on each other. That's sort of been my message to all my patients.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I just want to presence as a psychologist myself, um, we often hear about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the the less familiar diagnosis that um, is out there is the acute stress disorder. And many of us are still in that acute response because the stressors haven't gone away for so many people, especially in the big cities. I'm thinking about, you know my kids who are in New York city dealing with it and and still not even back to work. Um, So thanks for that. There's a quote here and I want to read it because I think it's, um, it's enduring. I love this quote. You wrote, this is my life. There's nothing to wait for. I have chosen very specific daily habits, rituals, and activities to engage in with the intention of creating and living my dream life. And you mentioned this. So one of the things that you've done in the book is expand the idea of coherence and the practice and the experience of coherence into many areas of our life. So it's not just this um, momentary quick coherence technique that we all experienced and we're coming into the state of coherence. You expand it into looking at our life and where we're experiencing coherence and incoherence in the different areas. Can you um, expand on these definitions? You cover them brilliantly in the book. And I love how you put it actually in the appendix as well with just a, um, a section on defining all these things. But let's expand into that a little bit more.
0: So for me, coherence is a state of balance. It's a state of resilience. Uh, You know, athletes will know coherence when they've been in the zone and time slows down and everything is just purring along. Uh, You know, some people will walk in a room and be attracted to someone across the room. There's There's this feeling of attraction. You know, that's a form of coherence. And really, for me, coherence is all about being the optimal state in the moment. And if people are like me, when you're thinking about the future, your uncertainty, it creates anxiety. And when you're thinking about the past, it's more about your regrets, and it's more depressive thoughts. But the only place I don't feel that is in the moment. And as soon as I come back to the moment, and I feel uplifted in the moment, all of that other stuff falls away. And so I started looking at the world around me and, and, and what I do to calm myself or to uh, excite myself in a positive way. You know, How do I change my emotional state? And I think we all know this intuitively. We do it with our senses. We do it with sounds, with sights, with touch, with um, taste, with smell. All of these things have the power to deplete us or renew us. All of them can increase our level of connection or take it away from us. So for instance, in the morning, there might be a smell that uplifts you and gets you invigorated for the day. Whereas when you get home at night, you may have a smell that will relax you. Same thing for tastes and different foods. Same thing for different clothing, how they feel on your body. There's different people that renew you that will uplift you. There's different visual landscapes, right? Whether it's, you know, if your office is staring at an electrical field with lots of wires, that's a lot different than if you're staring out a window looking at a mountain or, or, or an ocean or a river. Um, you know, and the different sounds. You know, there's all kinds of different music. There's different sounds that, uh, that you can play um, or get yourself, whether it's alpha waves or theta waves or different things that affect the brain. And so the ideas in the course We dive into each of our senses and I give you a workbook that helps you determine what works for you because what works for you might not work for somebody else. But after you go through each of these things in the six weeks, you dive into auditory, you dive into visual, you dive into taste and smell. And uh, we talk about diet and and how your digestion and microbiome play into the amount of stress that you feel. And the idea is there's no one thing that works. There's no one diet that works for everybody. But if you take the time to do the self-inquiry, you can have a huge toolbox of things that work for you. And then in my course, you have an option of either just having lists of toolbox, for your toolbox, or I, I've given a template for something called a daily time schedule. And not only do you put all the things that you wanna do in your daily time schedule from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and everything in between, but you also put the emotional state that you'd like to be in, in those in every time of the day and then the idea is that you have a process that you've laid out and you know i talk about in my book a lot about a process mindset versus a destination mindset and the reason I say that is because most people have an "all be happy when" destination mindset. They they postpone their happiness until they've achieved the goal. So whether it's you know I'm I I'll be happy when I go to school, when I get my first boyfriend or girlfriend, when I when I get my first car, when I get my first house, when I get married, when I have my first kid, when I get a job, it's always all be happy when. But that's a destination mindset. A process mindset is. I know how I want to feel. I know all the things I want to do on a daily basis. Now, I'm just going to follow this process because I've designed it specifically for myself. And if I happen to fall off the bandwagon and I have a week of, you know, whether I'm just giving into not being in a good mood or whether I'm going on vacation and my whole life is just upside down for a week, the idea is you don't have to get back to any destination. You just have to start getting back on your process that was set up for you. And if the process isn't working, well, you change the process. But you should have a toolbox of things that you know on a daily basis could change your emotional state um, by choice whenever you'd like. And then you start to practice that so that your emotional state, literally your, your set point for your emotions changes. You know, Simple things like waking up in the morning and being anxious about the day or waking up and having the initial thing being excited for the day. You can change these type of set points by practicing.
1: Hmm. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate the the process mindset that you talk about of, of really scheduling in the things that matter, scheduling in what's important. And there, here's another quote. What if the secret to life is much simpler than we ever imagined? How great would it be if we realized that the stories passed down for thousands of years by religious leaders were simply teaching us that by practicing and feeling the emotion of love, we can heal our brain and body, our human connections, the ozone, and the oceans. (laughs) Mark? I love it. It's brilliant. And I just want to make sure, since we're talking about the process of life and how you've expanded on coherence, that we presence this idea of love. It is so important. And I love how you've written about it. Do you want to expand on this idea about love?
0: Well, you know, I actually, um, that whole concept to me came because of the work that HeartMath has been doing. You, You started off this interview Uh, I think by talking about the Global Coherence Initiative or something similar to that, uh, which HeartMath has been doing. And it really all started back on September 11th, 2001 when the planes hit the building. HeartMath has these researchers that are all over the globe and they're monitoring with other scientists, but they're monitoring the Earth's electromagnetic field. And what they realized on September 11th, 2001, was that there was a blip in the Earth's electromagnetic field and it was at the same frequency as the human heart. And so what the, the theory became at that point was that there was enough people staring at their screens, their televisions, with the same emotion of grief that they actually managed to change the electromagnetic field of the Earth. And so since then, there's been a research study and the Global Coherence Initiative with the main goal of getting enough people to meditate or hold the emotion of love at the same time that we could change the electromagnetic field of the planet. And if you can change the electromagnetic field of the planet, well, that affects the ozone. It affects It affects the planet as a whole. And so that's where I sort of thought, what a great concept that is. Because when you're working on these self-regulation tools, because you're in an anxious state, you're able to change your emotional state, which is going to help you. And then your emotional state affects those around you. And as you start affecting those around you, and they start to join you on this on this journey of uh, of spreading love now you're affecting the planet and so i, I just think it's an incredible uh, motivating factor for people who want to see this type of research um you know as an aside i was listening to um one of my mentors is dr joe dispenza and i was just just listening to a dr joe live yesterday and he's got a research team that when they do their meditations in his workshops they are recording uh, measurements, blood work, uh, heart measurements, brain measurements from many of the participants. And so over the last few years, uh, their, their research is just about to be published. And I think it's going to blow, the, blow the, uh, the doors off of, of meditation and its benefit. Because what they're seeing with even with things like COVID, because they were able to do the studies on people um, and study the, the actual virus COVID, that when you are meditating and, and developing these uplifting emotions of love and gratitude, you're changing the uh, proteins in your blood, you're changing the way that your brain interacts, you're changing the areas of the brain that fire. And what they're showing is that you actually can be fighting things like disease, cancer, COVID, all of these things, and it's not uh, theoretical anymore. They're, they're showing the process of how it happens. And so for me, HeartMath and Dr. Joe and the research they're doing is bringing people into the fold that were very skeptical because they thought, you know, meditation and and things like breath work were more just foofy or, you know, for people who are are just philosophical like that. But what we're seeing now is, no, it's going to be implemented into a Western-based approach to health. Once the once you can't refute the 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 research, so it's just very motivating to know that the work that we're doing in uplifting emotions and, and practicing those uplifting emotions, not only will affect your emotional state, but it's going to affect your ability to be resilient from all forms of health problems.
1: Yeah, and so so the research on Dr. Joe's research heart math, we're we're looking at the internal. Um, response to these techniques and and um, from coherence to the meditation and there's dramatic effects physically mentally emotionally spiritually but you've also mentioned then the global coherence um, initiative where we're beginning to measure um, also the effects of others around us and the planet the process that I was talking about in the introduction was I was a part of the Global Coherence Pulse, which Mm -hmm. is a monthly group community that comes together to pulse out coherence for the planet. And um, there's a community gathering, a community of practice called the Islands of Coherence Network as well. So there's a lot of communities now coming together to practice together. And as you mentioned in the book, when someone comes into this coherence, when we open our heart and truly have it open, it's very palpable. We can we can feel this calming energy and we can feel it. And, and to me, even being in the presence of others who practice coherence is healing for mm-hmm. others. Even when they're not used to practicing and understanding what's happening, we're seeing effects on those around us. Do you want to speak more about, about
0: that? Well, you know, I'm going to uh, steal from some of his research uh, that I just read yesterday from Dr. Joe. But, you know, I've gone and done these week-long meditation retreats. And when you're there, there are people that I'm going to say are experienced meditators. And there's people with energy going through them. And some of them are writhing around on the ground. Some of them have energy going through them and making all kinds of noises. And you're looking at them like, oh, my God, they're having these outer body experiences. And when you see their brain maps... It looks like they're having a stroke, but when you actually speak to them, they're in euphoria. And so it's sort of a thing when you're at these workshops that you want to have these experiences. You want to have these outer body experiences. But what happens is that means you're left with about two-thirds of the audience. And if there's a 1,000 people, that means there's six or 700 people that are sitting there not having that response. And those are the people, like myself at one point was saying am i still getting the same benefit from the from the meditation as they are and one of the things that i read yesterday which really made me feel good is that yes those people that were having those outer body experiences were having profound effects in their brain however the people that were not having the people that were saying that they're not getting anywhere when their blood was checked when their brain scans were checked they were having the same type of results they just didn't feel it in the same way and so People who don't believe they're doing the work or they're not capable of it, we're all capable of it. It's just a matter of dedicating yourself to practicing uplifting emotions, to do the meditations, to do the breath work, to do the self-inquiry, to know it works for you. But the more time you spend creating happy, uplifting chemicals in your brain, the more changes you're going to see in your in your long-term health and in your short-term ability to change your emotional state.
1: Yeah. We're creating the conditions for health and healing. Thank you for that example. And I think it's really important for us to just really soak that in to understand that states of consciousness and literally being in a field of coherence are very different things. What you just stated, a lot of times we think coherence is that state of consciousness, but like you mentioned, if there are two-thirds that are there in this field of coherence and yet not having this different state of consciousness, the out-of-body experience, the, you know, the, the high highs, the whatever we want to call these mystical or, or whatever experiences, we still are creating the conditions for the health and the healing and the wholeness that that, that electromagnetic field and the unified field of entering consciously create in our lives it's fascinating I'm really excited to, to hear um, about Dr. Joe's research and, and look forward to that so I just we have a few more minutes here Mark and I want to yeah. just have you um, perhaps address our listeners out there that for you and your journey um, now you're here it's been a 30-year journey, but but those listening don't have to take a 30-year journey to get where you're at. What would you suggest to them? Where do I start? Where do I begin? What's important?
0: Well, you know, it definitely does not have to take 30 years. and I, And that was, you know, I never wanted to write a book because I was never healed. And, you know, even now, my life is so much different than it was. But I'm not going to say there's no triggers. Of course there are. But now, instead of them lasting uh, hours, days, and months, they last minutes. Uh, And so everybody is is capable of doing this. And the fact is, is I wrote in the book about things that worked and things that didn't work. And and I talk about all different types of scenarios because not everything is going to work for everyone, but there's also some things that perhaps, if you know yourself, you might want to stay away from and uh, different ways of doing the self-inquiry. And I think that is where people should start is with the self inquiry. The idea is to figure yourself out because it might become very obvious what you need to do. Uh, whether it's to go see a therapist, whether it's to just do the work I- in my six-week course, whether it's to, you know, some people need medication. I mean, everybody needs different things, but you've got to do the self-inquiry to figure out what is going to work for you because most people don't bother and they take the path of what they think is the path of least resistance, which is either just getting on a medication or going to one therapist and and they kind of leave it at that because that's all they feel is out there. What I'm hoping is that people will realize there are so many options that you, it's it's really unlimited, but you have to simplify it, do some of the self-inquiry for yourself so that you can figure out how it works. And so um, the idea is for you first to recognize that you're not living the life that you want to be living. You, you Some people are suffering and they know that they're suffering, but other people are going around. They're just not living an inspired life and something is just missing. And so that's still a symptom of you're not living your best life. You're not you're not um, you know able to be as inspired as you'd like to be. And so the first thing to do is recognize that you're actually not where you want to be. The, the next thing to do after that is then decide that you want to m- make a change. And if you want to make a change, from my view, um, <clears throat> you know what I actually did for your listeners is is uh, I created a landing page at coherencerevolution.com forward slash twenty twenty two. And if you go to that uh, webpage, you can download my book for free. Um, I want as many people to read it and to start this work as they can. So it won't cost you anything. Um, But getting into the course and doing the course and diving into it and having the coaching and having the community support and doing the breakout rooms where we practice emotion and we show you how to practice different emotions and we learn all the heart math techniques. That in those six weeks, you're going to transform your life. And so if you want to do that on the same homepage forward slash 2022, so it's coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022, uh, there's also a 50% off um, code for the course. So you can either get a free ebook or half off the course so that you can get started and just dive into some of this work. I mean, just literally committing to yourself that you're going to make a change is an uplifting positive thing. And right away, you should be able to see hope. And then what we have to do is turn that hope into reality as you start to figure out what works for you.
1: Mm. Mark, thank you so much. You've given so, many, so, much, so much helpful content here in the book and, and in this hour. I appreciate you joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great.
1: Yeah, I'm Julie Kroll. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. We're here with Dr. Mark Halpern. You can find him at coherencerevolution.com. And remember, on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a wayshower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing stay connected every week you can find so many ways to do that with me at juliecroll.com if you want my weekly newsletter go to juliecrollemail.com juliecrollemail.com and i want to leave you with the words of mark your success will depend on your mindset the type of energy you have and the emotional state you are in while trying to accomplish your goal Ultimately, long-term success will depend on whether you are depleted or renewed.